Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. How great is it? to be able to join together in worship with one another, worshipping our awesome God, hey? Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sam. I'll be, um, I'll be bringing the word this morning. And first of all, good morning. I hope, we're all, I hope we're all happy to be in church, whether that's awesome. We've got some happy people. Whether you're in the building or whether you're at home. Hello, everyone at home. Um, I hope that yeah, as we gather together in person and across the interwebs, um, that we can we can be encouraged, we can be sharpened by one another. Um, so yeah, that's a good thing. Amen to that. Amen. So I definitely count it as a major privilege each time I'm given the opportunity to share here on a Sunday morning, whether it's a full house or there's only 75 people allowed in the building and a bunch of you guys are at home. Hey, everyone's still, still hearing the message, hey? And the Holy Spirit isn't limited by physical um, places. He, um, yeah, he's limitless. He's great. Uh, so God's put on my heart this morning to empower the church because who knows that if you are a believer in, in Jesus, if you follow him with your life, um, it's not just about coming to church on a Sunday morning, but if you have that personal faith and that personal relationship with Jesus, you are a part of his church and you are part of the body of Christ. And I love Jesus. Jesus loves his church, and therefore, by association, I love the church. Um, the church is important and special to me, and, um, and I'm sure you're all important and special to each other. But yes, so God has put it on my heart this morning to empower the church, particularly anyone um, who perhaps doesn't feel like they have anything useful to contribute um, to the church, to God's plan in the world. I really want to speak to those people this morning. Um, so if you've got a pen and paper, if you're a note taker, um, or if you're not, I encourage you to give it a go. This, this year, God challenged me to be faithful in writing notes. And I can't say I go back and, and look over them heaps, but the thing is, in the moment, this is me personally, in the moment, it helps me to um, listen actively to what's being shared, because I have to be like, oh, that part was important, I need to write that down. Or, oh, God you know, highlighted this to me, so I'm going to write it down. And for me, I, I, I find that helps um, to be able to get something out of it. Okay, so we're going to jump straight into the point, uh, first point this morning, which is, number one, the harvest needs you. So we're going to first uh, dive into Matthew. We've got a few, um, a few passages from Matthew this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. So we're starting at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, pr proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
There is a few things we can gather from this passage. One of the first things we can gather is that there are people in this world who are harassed, who are helpless, and who are lost. They don't have direction. They don't have purpose. They are like people with their, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They might have troubles in this life. It might be physical troubles to do with finance or maybe physical illness, um, spiritual troubles. Who knows that we are, we are in a spiritual battle in this world. It's not just what meets the eye that is, um, is happening. There's a whole lot going on under the surface, lots of spiritual forces at work, and, um, and we can be part of the spiritual force for good. How good is that? Um, but yeah, there's many people that experience spiritual troubles in, in this world and they are powerless against those cr- cruel evils at work in their lives. And because they are like sheep without a shepherd, because they don't know their true and good shepherd Jesus, they lack true purpose and true direction and maybe spend every day in their life trying to find that. And I believe that a lot of mental illness, such as depression, comes from a place of not knowing one's purpose, not knowing one's meaning in life. And so I believe that you know, the answer to so many, well, all of those sorts of problems in, in our world is Jesus, because he brings all of, he fills all the, all the holes, all the gaps in our heart, yeah? Who's ever heard that we've, we have a, each one of us are born with a God-shaped hole in our heart? It's pretty accurate. And we try to fill it with so many different things. But the only thing that's fully going to satisfy us and bring us that meaning that we so long for, whether we admit it or not, is Jesus, is God. Because he is great. He is great. Um, but yeah, so this often looks like a mess. These, these people who are harassed, who are, who are feeling helpless, it can look like a mess. It can be easy to look at other people's mess and say, oh, you got yourself there in the first place. You dug yourself into that hole. You can dig yourself out of it. Or maybe even it's easy for us to turn up our noses a little bit and walk away in the other direction. Oh, you know, I'll let someone else deal with that. But what does our king do when he sees these people? He has compassion on them. As followers of Jesus, we are called to have compassion on those around us, on those who are lost. In Latin, the root word for compassion, compati, I don't know if I'm butchering the language there, probably, um, but it means to suffer with. Compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. Someone else's suffering becomes your suffering. And that doesn't mean that we just are supposed to sit with everyone you know, in our life that's, that has suffering and have a pity party with them. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's not about having a pity party. But rather, true compassion... If it's true compassion, it actually changes the way that we live. Yeah? The compassion that we have on others must translate into the way that we live. And the way that we live flows out naturally from what we believe. So the question is, what do you believe? What, if, if you're not sure what you believe, one interesting way to find that out is have a bit of self-awareness. Watch and observe yourself. How do you live? How do you go about life? What do you do? Because if you observe the way that you live, that's going to be an indicator to what you actually believe. Yeah, What we believe, we act out. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
We as Christians, we believe this. We believe Jesus' words. We believe what he says about himself. He is claiming here to be the way, the truth, the truth, not just your truth, not just my truth, not just Bob down the street's truth, the truth, which means there's only one truth for everyone. It's not relative, depending on someone's situation, yeah? If we believe this, and that he's the only way to the Father, then the way we live must reflect that. We must live out of our belief. So here's a question. Do you arrange your life around Jesus? Is he your number one? Is he your purpose and your meaning giver? Do you arrange your life around Jesus? Or do you arrange Jesus around your life? If, people, if, we can, if we can get a sight of what it looks like to do the former rather than the latter there, oh my goodness, the things that will be unlocked in your life and in the lives around you, it'll be amazing. You see, God has an ultimate plan for the world that we live in and we are invited to partake in that. It's so easy to feel helpless. It's so easy to to turn on the news, to scroll through Facebook even, um, and to see the turmoil, to see the suffering in this world. There are so many issues, so many things, and there's so much heartbreak going on in this world. And it's so easy to look at all these problems and get so overwhelmed and think, what could I ever do that would make any sort of difference? We just feel like just a drop in the ocean, right? And so that's, and in, in some way, it's, it's a good thing for us to come to that realisation because we need to realise that we're actually, none of us are the saviour of the world, yeah? None of us are supposed to be the answer. But God has an ultimate plan, right? And we, as, as people on the ground, hands and feet on the ground, we can actually be a part of God's amazing plan. And in that way, you, the, the small that you are able to invest into God's plan will work together brilliantly with all the other parts of his plan. And all of a sudden, you've been part of something so much greater than yourself. And if that doesn't bring true meaning and purpose, wow, I don't know what does. You see, at the core of of God's plan for this world is Jesus. Jesus is at the core of that plan. He is the good shepherd. But even the good shepherd, just like we read back in Matthew, even the good shepherd says that more workers are needed for the harvest. Yeah? We just sung a song called How Great Is Our God. And, uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit for the next um, couple of minutes about how God is, he's like a master planner. He's great. If something is great, it means he's above everything else, yeah? And God is great in his planning. He's this master planner. So his plan for the world, we'll never be able to fully understand it in our own finite minds. So let me clear something up really quick. Involving yourself in the will of God does not mean that you are to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Jesus has done that. Jesus is the one. He carried the cross. He carried the sins, the burdens of all of those in the world. He's already done that, all right? He's done the heavy lifting there for us. Also, involving yourself in the will of God does not mean that the way that you serve God will look the same as the person next to you, yeah? On Friday night at youth, um, oh my goodness, it was just an amazing night. We had a special night called Freaky Friday. Who loves Freaky Friday? Anyone? We had a great night. Um, So Freaky Friday is, it's not actually like 
scary or anything. Um, it was scary good, but um, Freaky Friday, what happens is the youth leaders, we become the youth for the night, and a, a group of the youth people, they step up and they run the entire night. So we had youth members running the games, out on the welcome desk, doing the announcements and emceeing the night. We had um, Josiah and we had Becky Lee preaching the word during impact time, which is our preaching time. It was incredible. We had young people worship leading last, last Friday, um, Friday night at youth. It was so exciting. And one thing that um, Becky Lee actually shared in her message on Friday night, her whole message was centered around an, an idea that you are unique. And she spoke on Corinthians chapter 12, I think it is, 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the body of Christ and each one of us, right? We're all part of the body, but look at your own body. Your hand doesn't look like a foot. Your knee doesn't look like an ear. They, they all have different purposes, different functions. They're all unique, right? And so that was Becky's, that was a big part of Becky's message. We're all unique. We all have our own specific function that is part of the greater body, but it works together with the rest of the body to function as a whole, yeah? yeah? And so don't forget when we're involved in God's will and purpose and plan for our lives, our, the way we serve does not look like the next person, okay? So don't compare yourself to others. God is a master planner. He has a unique plan for your life that will fit beautifully within his greater plan for the world. Now, there's this amazing YouTube channel, I wonder if any of you have seen it before, called Joseph's Machines. And, um, and this guy, Joseph, he's an awesome example of someone who is a master planner. I want to show you really quick one of his most viewed videos on YouTube. I think it's got something like 27 million views. It's crazy. And uh, it goes for just a couple of minutes. Um, but if Charlie could uh, send that one live, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Gitana, 
Give that a round of applause. That deserves some applause. I don't want to think about how many hours of planning that video took to put into place. This is an awesome example of a bunch of small things with unique purposes, right? All coming together, being woven together for a great purpose. In this video, that great purpose was cake. How good's cake? Cake's a good purpose, right? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, God does this exactly like Joseph did when he, with his complex machine. God does this with each of us too. We each have a God-given purpose that gets woven into his great plan for the world. And it's for a much better purpose than cake, even though cake's pretty good. Um, but who here can remember... Um, by show of hands, um, who remembers the, the candle and the butter that got melted? That was pretty cool and it slid down. Yep, we had a few people loving that. Who remembers the, the wheel that was spinning around and it kind of dodged Joseph's head on the way? Who remembers the little green cup at the start of the video? A couple of people, yep, some very observant people. <laughs> you see, it's really easy. Um, it's so easy for us to want to be the butter this getting melted by the candle, that's really cool. It's really easy for us to want to be the wheel, you know, the wheel that narrowly missed Joseph's head. But it's frustrating when sometimes the place where God has us, we just feel like this green cup, the kind of, you know, it did something at the start, but what, what did it do? No one really knows. No one noticed. But the thing is, which one was more important? The green cup, the wheel, the butter? I'd say they were all just as important to Joseph. If any one of those didn't work the way that they were supposed to, that would have affected the next thing and the next thing, yeah? And so what I'm trying to say is, God is so wanting you to be included in his great mission, and he doesn't want you to worry about the way that you look to everyone else around you. Amen. He's calling you not to be driven by your desire to, to look really cool, um, to be able to you know, be remembered even. He's calling you to be driven for your compassion for the lost. You know, this is where it's so important for the church to have unity. Yeah? yeah. yeah? Because we're not all just living out our own individual, you know, Sam's plan for her life and Mike's plan for his life. We're all part of this great complex machine, this great master plan that God has for us. And if we get caught up with bickering with each other, with um, drawing lines, with getting offended with each other, things like that, that the enemy loves to sneak in, um, then, man, we, what I'm trying to say is we just so need our unity. The Bible says that we are unified by the Holy Spirit, yeah? In, in John 17, God is praying. He spends some time praying for himself. He spends some time praying for his disciples. And then he spends time praying for all believers. So that extends to you and me. And he says, I don't actually have this one up on the screen, sorry. But he says, God, may they be one as we are one. May they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. It's so important for us to be unified. Um, on Wednesday, just gone this week, I had the privilege of, of being Coxie's stand-in, Pastor Andrew's stand-in at the minister's meeting um, that usually gets held uh, once a month um, on a Wednesday. 
and we have you know different pastors or preach, uh, priests or um, representatives, let's say, from from different churches around Colac, and they usually get together and and encourage each other and 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 share with each other. And this particular ministers meeting was actually held at the hospital, and we got to chat with. Um, the CEO of the hospital and I think the chairman of the board of the hospital and we were talking about you know the issues that our community is facing um, and and it was just such to me I was just sitting there and watching that and and, and they were chatting I was very much a fly in the wall because I was just like newbie hello um, <laughs> but I was I was sitting and watching that meeting happen and it was amazing to see the heart that these people had around the table for the homeless in our community, for people who are um, disadvantaged and and for th these group of people who don't usually associate with, it, with each other were coming together for that greater purpose, yeah? And God, how much does God have a heart for those who are down and out, disadvantaged, homeless? How much does God have a heart for those people? And, you know, we can spend so much time trying to, I'm, I'm being the person over here doing this cool thing. Okay, well, I'm being the person over here doing this cool thing to help, you know, this problem, that problem. But the heart of the meeting on, on Wednesday was, it got me so excited because at the heart of that meeting was unity. How can we come together to be able to, to, to work on, what's the word, to make the most out of the strengths of the different church communities, the hospital as well in Colac. How can we come together in unity? And so that just got me really excited. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure I shared that one with you guys. But the thing is, God has a great plan and he has a great harvest coming, yeah? Jesus said he has a great, great harvest coming, but he needs workers. So whether you are a stick of butter, whether you're a giant wheel, whether you're a plain old green cup, everyone in the body of Christ can be a part of leading the lost to Jesus. Right? The harvest needs workers. The, harvests, the harvest needs you. And that brings me to point number two for this morning is, and it's going to be a little confusing at start, but I'm going to work through it. Figure out what the seed is. Figure out what the seed is. So what does it look like to be a worker in the harvest? Does it look like chatting to people down the street about Jesus and leading them to Christ then and there? Sure, absolutely. That would be a dream of a day. That's maybe a really cool stick of butter, yeah? But let's not limit God's creativity when it comes to how we are used by him. I believe that many Christians write themselves off from being useful in the kingdom of God because they're not this big, great Billy Graham or they've never led someone to Christ before. Now, as, if I can speak out of my perspective for a second, as youth facilitator here at CFC, I've been so blessed to be able to lead young people to Christ. It is man. Every time that I get to, to sit and, and pray a prayer with a young person who's ready to give their life over to Jesus, it's like, why do people take drugs, you know? Like, if you want to high, lead someone to Jesus. <laughs> but the thing is, let me tell you this, there is way more to being a worker in the harvest than just praying a salvation prayer with someone. Yeah? yeah? You see, just, just within 
the youth ministry, and this is one very tiny thing in, in God's great big uh, out, outworking of his plan for the world. In Impact Youth, in our youth ministry, we need so many things to come together um, to be able to, to yeah, minister to these young people. We need people who are willing to, to sacrifice their Friday nights to, to come and hang out with a bunch of young people. We need people leading games. We need people sitting at a welcome desk, welcoming young people in. We need people praying for us. If, if, you're, if you're looking for something to pray for, pray for Impact Youth. Pray for, pray for us as a team. Pray for all of our young people because prayer is so powerful. Um, you know, and we need people who are willing to to get to know a young person you know, in the times that we have them in our program on a Friday night. We need people who are sowing seeds into their, into their hearts, into their minds. And then, of course, we need someone who's able to sow the, the gospel into, into their heart and, and guide them towards, hey, do you think you're ready to, to have Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Absolutely, we need that person. But that's, the party's only really just starting then. Once someone gives their life to Jesus, they need, they, need, they need a lot of prayer still. They need a lot of prayer. They need people to come alongside them to walk through life with them. Because as a young person, there are so many issues that they are facing. And it's so confusing when, when all of a sudden I've got this new faith in Jesus and what he says is so different to the world around me. How the heck do I navigate through this life while, you know, and I, I still have this desire to be accepted by my friends. But if I start, you know, following Jesus, then I'm going to be so different to them. You know, these young people, any new young Christian, whether you're a teenager or 92, Every one of us need, we need people to walk through life with us. I could go on forever about all that, but <laughs> the basic thing is, are you getting the picture here? There's much more to it than someone just praying a salvation prayer. And maybe you have something to give in that, let's call it the circle of life, cue Lion King song. Um, <laughs> it's just like the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul's writing and he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Who has ever tried to grow something from a seed before? Quite a few. Ooh, many green thumbs. I love this. Um, it's fun, but it's not always something that comes with instant gratification, is it? No, <laughs> you need to wait patiently and be willing to water it and tend to it and care for it a while, even before you see any glimpse of that little seed becoming a plant above the surface of the soil. It's the same with us. Wherever God has us serving, we need to be willing to water that seed even when we don't see the fruit. So what are you watering right now? It might look like serving here on a Sunday morning. It might be being in the tech desk. It might be handing out the communion elements, being involved in Bubs or Kids Church. Hello to any Bubs or Kids Church people out there at the moment um, who are listening back. We appreciate you. Thank you for all the hard work you do. Um, <laughs> it might look like being a prayer warrior for people um, who God puts on your heart. Yeah. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. It is so needed. Essential. It might look like behind closed doors without everyone here on a Sunday scene. It might look like you're witnessing to your family, your friends, people that, that God puts in your, in your life, in your path. Whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you to keep your passion alive for watering that seed. 
My advice is you need to figure out what the seed is. Because if we don't know the why of what we're doing, we don't know the why of what we're serving, then we are sure going to lose patience for the how. We'll lose motivation. We'll get burnt out. And it'll just be so easy and so tempting to give up. Just like Kim shared um, in communion, you know, Jesus' words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is going to try to come up with any excuse under the sun to, to bow out, to give up, to get frustrated. But is our spirit willing? Are we, are we living out of the new spirit, the new creation that, that God has made us into? Or are we, still, are we still living out of that old creation? So think about where you might be serving. What is the seed? What is the why? It's more obvious in some serving roles than others, for sure. For someone who's witnessing to a friend, the seed is obviously sowing the gospel into, the, into their life. But for someone who's serving tea and coffee after church on a Sunday, what is the seed there? Hospitality. The Bible says a lot of good things about hospitality. The Bible says that it's good to practice hospitality. It's a way to serve your brothers and sisters here on a Sunday morning, and it helps create an an environment that's welcoming for, for your brothers and sisters to bring their friends in. Hey, if someone comes along and they feel welcomed at church, they're going to feel like, huh, yeah, I might come back next week. And if they keep coming back, keep feeling welcome, then they're going to be so much more likely to hear the good news of Jesus and be transformed by him. Yeah. So no matter where you're serving, I want you to, at some point today or this week, just spend a bit of time thinking, okay, where am I serving what is the seed? What is the why? What is the purpose of me doing this? Bring on the coffee. Bring on the coffee. <laughs> Amen, Mike. <laughs> I really loved how a couple of weeks ago we had Karen Coombs from Salvation Army um, share a message with us. That was an amazing message. And that morning I got to interview her in studio chat. We sat up here on stage and had a good old chin wag. And one way that she described the local church that you're a part of is that it's a vehicle. Yeah. And so each one of us, like I've hammered on about enough, we're, we're part of, we're called to be part of God's plan for our lives. Yeah. But he also calls us to be in community, to be in fellowship with a local church because this is a very cliche to th thing to say, but cliches are cliches for a reason. Together, we're stronger. Yeah? Unified, we're able to do more. And so, you know, let's not forget that these programs that we run, these things that we do at CFC, it's all part of a vehicle that we're all jumping into so that we can ca be carried along God's purpose, which is to communicate and live the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to those around us in our community. Maybe you're in a place where right now you don't feel like you're serving anywhere. Maybe you have this belief that you don't have anything of value to offer. That's a lie that the devil loves to tell us, isn't it? Maybe you think you're too young. Maybe you think you're too old. Maybe you're too this or too that or whatever. Can I encourage you first and foremost to pray about it? Talk with God about it. Ask him to ignite in you a desire to serve in one way or another. And once you've done that, it's time to make a move. 
Choose to actively seek out where you might be able to begin serving God. It might be in the vehicle of, of church. It might be jumping in on a program or some sort of ministry here. It might be something different. Maybe he's calling you to be a prayer warrior. Maybe he's calling you to, to do something else. But remember, the moment you gave your life to Christ, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we've become new creations. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So if Jesus has made you into a new creation, he's hardly going to make something that's useless. And what's more, he's given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside us always. So with those two things in mind, know that you have something of value to give. You have something of value. It might seem so small and insignificant, but guess what? God is a God of growth, yeah? And we are called to be people of faith. And you put faith together with God, your growth is going to happen. Don't count yourself out of the good work that God has set out for you to do. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't do it. It's a terrible trap. I've been there. <laughs> and hold on to the why in those times when you're serving God and it's just getting difficult and you're getting frustrated and you're getting burnt out. Hold on to the why. Final point for today. This is, this is probably one of the most exciting points, I think. Number three, you bring the little, he brings the big. So we're going to read from Matthew again, this time from chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. So the context here is that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, really terrible part of scripture, he's just been brutally killed. He's been beheaded by King Herod. And now at the start of this passage, Jesus is, is he's just learnt about what has happened to his cousin John. As we read through this, think of a time of, if you've ever gone through a time of grief, how that is just, it can be so all-consuming, hey? So verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened to John, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So we're just going to pause there real quick. Wow. Jesus really knew his why. Yeah, anyone who's gone through a time of grief knows that wow, it consumes everything. He just found out his cousin was dead. He was trying to get alone to grieve, which he would be perfectly justified in doing so. But he was followed by a crowd. And what happened, what happened next? Jesus didn't get annoyed. Jesus didn't see them as an inconvenience. The Bible says he saw them and he had compassion on them. That's our king church. That's the one that we're following. Yeah? All right, that's a little side note. That just blew me away as I was reading it. <laughs> Verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of, feet, of bread and two fish, they answered. In other 
um, in other gospels in, in the Bible. It's the little boy that brings his, his five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So I like to think that it was about 15,000. <laughs> what an incredible story. That's one of maybe Jesus' more famous miracles. But they had a big problem, didn't they? They had a lot of hungry mouths to feed. Who here loves to solve problems? Who loves to fix things? Got a bunch of hands going up. Typically, men like to fix things and women like to fix people. <laughs> Either way, we're still fixers. I said typically, I'm not attacking any individuals. It is great to fix things, yeah? But what happens when the thing that is broken is bigger than we are? Like 5,000 hungry people. Like, say, the state of the entire world. God does invite us to be a part of his plan for the world, but that plan does not require you to be the answer. We do have a part to play, absolutely. But Jesus is the answer. His saving grace his forgiveness, his power, it is what, is what is truly needed to truly transform a person's life. Watch someone try to be the answer for another person's problem and watch that person get burdened down by those problems pouring down on top of them. That's a really quick way to burn out. This is where we need that intimate relationship with Jesus so we can offload to him, give everything over to him, and trust that he's going to deal with it. Yes, we still partake in his plan, but this is where we need that relationship with him. You see, Jesus requires workers that don't get burnt out. So how do we do this? Two things. Number one, realize our position. We are not anyone's savior. That's Jesus's position. Our position is to be faithful servants with what God gives us. We need to bring our little, our loaves and bread. Number two, Live out your life, sorry, live your life out of your faith in Jesus. As we give our loaves and fishes in faith, Jesus takes our little and he brings the big. Yeah? So I'm going to invite the band up as I close. But it's just like when Jesus fed the 5,000. The little boy brought the little that he had and he gave it in faith. He had a little seed and he was willing to plant it. You could say that the disciples watered it, watered that seed by bringing it to Jesus. But in the end, it was the Son of God that made it grow. You bring the little, he brings the big. All God needs is a faithful servant. Just like in the parable of the talents, I won't read through it, but I'll just, um, I'll just briefly reference it. It's in Matthew 25, if you've never heard it before. God will often entrust us with a little at first. And as we bring our little and are faithful with it, Jesus multiplies it. And as that happens, God entrusts us with even more. In the parable of the talents, the, 
It, it, it said to the servants who multiplied what, the little that they were given, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. Now I'll give you more. Yeah? And that's, that's often the, um, the blueprint of how, how it works with us serving God. God gives us a little bit at a time. Just be faithful with that. Just be faithful with he's, what He's given you. Maybe you have a heart to, to cook meals and to share it with others. Hey, that's great. Work on that. See how you can bless others with that. Maybe He's, got a, he's given you a heart to, to, to make coffee. Start with that. Go with that. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God's putting on your heart, serve as unto the Lord. Yeah? You bring the little, He'll bring the big. So in closing, you've got something to give. And we're going to finish off the service this morning um, with another song singing about how great God is. And I want to open up this morning if anyone would like prayer, if anyone's, maybe you're in a place where you've been serving and you're tired, you're frustrated, and maybe you're realising, I need to get back to the why. I need to get back to that why of, of why I'm doing this in the first place. Maybe that's you this morning. I want to invite you to come up and pray. We'll pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. And, and many of us leaders would love to pray with you for that. Maybe you're in a place right now where you feel like you don't have anything of value to give. Maybe just hearing this message, you've got a little hunger, a little desire. Oh, I would like to maybe do something, but I don't know what. Come up for prayer. We can pray for you that God will reveal to you what it is that next step is, what your little loaves and fishes is going to be that He's going to multiply. Or if you've got any other reason that, that you would like prayer, please do come up and we would love to pray for you. If you're at home, obviously you can't come up um, after the message, but hey, turn to maybe those in the room with you or maybe shoot someone a message that you know that can be praying for you. Like I've said, prayer is so powerful. And if we're taking that step forward to go and get prayed for, we're gonna, it's going to be more likely, it's going to help us to take a step forward to, to step out in faith in, in one way or another. So as I pass over to the band, let's, yeah, let's come together in worship. And if you want prayer, please come down. I'd love to pray for you and, and so would others. So thank you.